It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 142 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. Well, guess what? What? We have one of those few and far between corrections to make. Mostly because we wallow in our own genius. (laughs) But of course, there are some limits to our incredible knowledge, and that's when we rely on listeners to give us a gentle course correction. (laughs) Either that or we secretly go back to the recorded episode and fix it and act like nothing ever happened. Oh, that's a good idea. I know. Both are good, honest, pirate ways to tackle the issues. So today I opted for the on-air correction to a most egregious and humorous error. Yeah. You know, to correct the old episode would be more your type than actually admitting to you doing something wrong. It would be more something that I would do, but I got a little lazy and I didn't want to have to deal with it. So I figured I would just add it to this episode and then not even have to worry about it again. Okay. And then maybe one day I'll be sitting there going, you know what, I'm going to correct that. (sighs) So here it goes. Apparently, having fun and shooting from the hip on Inferno Artists last week is not what I had imagined. Probably, had I actually thought about it for a minute, it would have made sense. But then again, it sounds like a fancy-dancy visual effects specializing in fires, flames, explosions, smoke, and all that good stuff. Right. Inferno just plain cool for a job title. However, Adam gave us a heads up that Inferno is a fuller featured version of Flame VFX software. Some visual effects software by Autodesk. So yes, I had to check on it and see what's that all about. And then after checking on the details, decided that since this is really not a visual effects show and the fact that I didn't want to spend a bunch of time on it, I settled for a snapshot that might be interesting to everyone. Which is strange because I actually worked with Autodesk for corporate grants and getting money and they were supporting organizations. Shows you, I didn't really care what the hell they were doing. I was just (laughs) in it for the money. What the heck? Just in it for the money. Just in it for the money. (laughs) But they did change their structure and they weren't really giving out money anymore. They were giving out like software and stuff. It's like, or assistance or more kind of employee volunteer hours and stuff. Hey, I want the money. I understand that. So there we go. Simply on a scale of price tag for the software is what I thought was really interesting for this. And it's possible Inferno is not available anymore because I was having trouble finding it on their website. The keyword is perhaps out there. In listening land. So it might be or that they're maybe still actually supporting updates. But I don't know if it was something that they're still supporting as a software new application, if you will. Flame, Flint, and Inferno are a series of compositing and visual effects applications. By mid-1995, Flame had become a market leader in visual effects software with the price tag around $175,000 or $450,000 with a silicone graphics workstation. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's incredible, right? Yeah. 
Time with the software was typically rented at a post-production house with an operator, hence maybe our Inferno artist. I didn't really check into that, but there he goes. The Flame software is licensed in a variety of forms, including Flint, which is a lower-priced version of Flame with fewer functions, and Inferno, which was introduced in 1995, so this stretches back quite a ways. This is a version intended for the film market with a price tag of about $225,000 without any hardware. That's just software. Seriously? That's when it first came out. So there we go. The reason I'm not up to speed on this particular VFX software is that I was only interested in dropping about $750,000 on my hobby filmmaking. You sure? At the time, yeah. So I didn't really look at that low-end stuff like that. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, I don't blame you. I should have asked Santa for the software and Workstation for Christmas, maybe. Probably. Since Inferno might not be available, I'll look for something else now. Especially since I can pick up a yearly subscription for only $4,000 now. Hey! Yeah, it's a bargain, right? I'll be honest. Does seem like a whole lot of fun to play with. But maybe we should just move along and get to something less computer effects-esque and more into pirates or pirate credits or whatever that is. Pirate credits. Dang it, pirate credits? Yeah. Not even pirates anymore. Exactly. Not even pirates anymore. But there are a couple other things we should mention, too. Marty Sklar, who we featured in the past couple of episodes... Talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, the 50th anniversary panel at the D23 Expo this year, 2017. And unfortunately, he passed away last week, at the end of last week. Oh, that's uh, too bad. Yeah, it's crazy timing that we just featured him, that they just had the Expo, and then he just died. So uh, hats off to Marty for his contribution in Pirates of the Caribbean. And as you were telling us, too, still one of the most popular rides ever. Yeah. And that just goes to say something about him and Walt Disney and the rest of the Imagineers that brought that to us. So we should give a big R to Marty, and thanks for that. Arr. There's something else, too. Oh, we ended last Friday with a list of Easter eggs from Curse of the Black Pearl, and one of those was one from, I think, whatculture.com mentioned it, that Barbosa's ring was an Eagle Scout ring. And right. we couldn't exactly remember at the time because we were just reviewing that for the first time, that list. Good or bad, we were trying to get first reactions, but then they hit us with something that we couldn't really verify. And it turns out that his ring, as we remember, because we had talked about it before, is a lion on that. It's like a ruby lion, or a ruby ring with a lion on it, as yes. I recall. Not an Eagle Scout ring from right. what I looked up. So I think that what's going on there is that was not a Curse of the Black Pearl Easter egg, but that is something that comes in later yeah. in some of the film series. And because of that, and we're only covering Curse of the Black Pearl, you're just going to have to sit and wait. You're going to have to sit and wait for season two to see if it pops up then. And then we'll divulge the Eagle Scout Easter egg if it makes an appearance. But we were questioning that when it came up. And so that may be the real answer to that. So we'll just let it simmer until season two. And since we're speaking about next season, I'm just wondering how many mistakes should we shoot for next season? Uh, Maybe about 50. 50? I mean, what? We only had like one or two this time. So yeah. I think you want to shoot for 50? I was wondering if well. we should purposely put in mistakes that when linked together form some kind of treasure map. Oh, that would Something be Something cool. to drive everybody nuts. Actually. That we're purposely dropping mistakes, but if they were to actually look at the clues, it forms some kind of That's treasure hunt or something. That's something a, to think about. Yeah. Just to drive everybody crazy out there too. Sounds like a good idea. Exactly. Because then they'll be like, you guys are just making so many mistakes. I'm like, are we really? <laughs> So that's it. That's enough of the announcements. Let's get this minute rolling. And it's Monday, so that means it's Pirate Word of the Week. Curse you for breathing, you slack-jawed idiots. It's the Pirate Word of the Week. Yo, salty dog. 
Salty dog? You're ending on a salty dog, huh? I'm ending on a salty dog. Do you know what salty dog is? Like a pirate? A sea person? A maritime person? A sailor? An experienced sailor. There you go. I use that every once in a while. Not so much lately, but I should use that when I do our Facebook posts for the episodes and latest Mm, episodes. Yes. I do sea dogs a lot, but not salty dogs. Salty dog. Salty Salty dog dog. just seems like I need to be eating a hot dog. Well, no, because if you think about it, a salty dog, if you look at an old sailor and his hair, is just all, you know, you get that windblown... What are you saying? That they look like a hot dog that's been left on the heater turners or whatever those things are? salty. It's like that hot dog in Seinfeld when they visit that old theater. It's been on there for like 20 years just rotating. They're all wrinkled. Yeah, wrinkled and nasty. I'll take that hot dog. Uh, You don't want that hot dog. (laughs) Lloyd Braun says he wants the hot dog. Give him the dang hot dog. It's a salty dog. Okay. Salty That's dog. it. The last pirate word of the week for the season. That's it. So everybody out there can be a salty dog until we come back. Exactly. In the previous minute, the still living Scarlet Letters gives an official beatdown to Grey Matter FX, Pixel Liberation Front, and the resurrected Pacific title. Scott gets taught a lesson in that the ever-present Pixar singer Randy Newman is sadly not who the Newman soundstage is named after. Don't worry, Randy. You've still got a friend in me. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, Heather completely purges Glenn Glenn's sound from her memory, but after seeing an Andy Griffith show credit screenshot gives us the, oh, now I remember, (laughs) in the after show. (laughs) Oh, the craziness. Yeah, now I do remember Glenn Glenn. I knew it was like that. (laughs) Minute 142 begins with construction laborers and grip laborers transitioning to location managers, production assistants, and yes teacher Gina E. Liverpool. The minute ends with Walt Disney Records crawling across the screen, followed by American Humane Association monitored the animal action, some equipment credit, and a host of logos including Kodak, Dolby Digital Sound, SDDS, DTS, Motion Picture Association of America, and DAFL-CIO. I was going to start off with a mystery and a theory but then decided to get some of these other random credit thoughts out of the way first before we get into the meat of the minute. Okay. It's more like a random ocean and boat thoughts for this minute, to be precise. Okay. We have the names of some boats used to get cast and crew around while doing their ocean filming. Those include Crystal Blue, St. Peter, Sea Breeze, Spectacular, Wildcat, and a couple of those creative where they got to add C to the title because it kind of worked with the word. Is that Crystal Blue Persuasion? Crystal Blue Persuasion. Crystal Blue Persuasion. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) What what year was that from? I have no clue. Is that an 80s thing? I have no clue. Or 90s? I don't know. What is that? (laughs) You're obviously going to have to look that up because now I can't focus on anything else right now. Why would you do that? You just throw that out like an earworm kind of thing? <laughs> you said crystal blue. I said crystal blue boat, as in crystal blue ocean, not <laughs> hit it, boys. <laughs> well, I'm not going to brag about my ability to identify movie years of when they came out, because it doesn't quite translate to music. But I was just off by a couple of years because that, yeah, that came out in 1968. So <laughs> yeah. you subtract a few decades and boom. <laughs> Then I'm there. A few decades. Hey, a few decades. (laughs) That's the ruler I'm using. That's the measurement. The plus or minus 10 years. The plus or minus 20 years. You're always closer with music. I'm not close. Okay, you know what? I don't really know that song. (laughs) Let's just put it out there. This is way before my time. And I couldn't even... 
I really couldn't even imagine the tune. It was not even something that I could even come up with in my brain. I just heard of it. And I thought, okay, yeah, what is this going on here? So yeah, I don't know what's going on there. But anyways, as I was getting back to boats and the creativity to add C because they got to do that to the titles of some of these boats or the names. The other ones are Fantasy with an S-E-A. Really? Yeah. And Ecstasy. Wow. So there you go. I wonder if the actors were all fighting over which boats they got to go in when they're being transferred from one place to the next on the sets. They all want to ride on Crystal Blue Persuasion. Why Crystal Blue? Is that your fascination? What about Fantasy? I don't know. What about Wildcat? I don't know. I'm taking the Wildcat. Hey, I got to get on Ecstasy. That's what they're saying. (laughs) Really? Yeah. That's what they were saying. Not you? Let me have some wine right now. Hey, what about the grog? What do you mean about the grog? You're just sticking with wine rather than I have than wine grog? in the studio today, yeah. Oh, okay. I went highfalutin oh. today. There were three boats trailing behind our Black Pearl barge to create all that fog. The unnatural fog. You may have seen it in the movie. I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure. And yes, they had a technical term in the credits. Really? Can you guess what it is? Fogmaster? Not <laughs> bad. That... <laughs> That's a, good, that's a good guess, actually. I'm on wine. Because of the master was in so many titles, so Fog Master is not bad. My At least bra- that's something that they would name themselves. My brain works well on wine. Well, I don't want to have to throw in an R or walk the plank there, but okay, I'm going to give it to you, and then I'm going to wink to myself like, No, okay. no, 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 no. Yeah. You know Fog Master was awesome. I didn't say it wasn't awesome, but okay. I'm talking about... Does your brain actually work better on wine? Oh, it does. Believe me. I'm more I, creative. Oh, okay, if that's what we're judging by. Yeah, that's yeah. what we're judging okay, by. I'm more creative ju- on if wine. If that's what we're judging by, then yes, that's a fact. I, exactly. Thank you very much. So your fog master is your final answer? That's my final answer. It's actually called fog boats. <laughs> see you would have gotten that if you weren't on wine because you'd have been the creativity been would have been so lacking as you said lame you'd have been like what fog boats and then i would have said oh my god yeah you got it because the creativity wasn't flowing i wonder what those things actually look like though these fog boats obviously they have to be better fog machines than those that you can pick up at the halloween store they probably look like tugboats or just you know with the boats. big old pipes poking out so that they can blow the fog out. You like my hand gestures, by the way? Yeah, that's the wine talking. <laughs> I don't know, though. I'm wondering if they just had a big giddy-up on the back that Maybe. was producing fog or yeah. what these look like. Because I actually tried to look it up. Fog boats, it didn't come up. I did. I said Curse of the Black Pearl, fog boats, yeah. and fog and that stuff. And I didn't see anything there. And then again, I was like, how much time do I really want to spend on that for just something? A couple I'm hours, at least. Fluttering by. So I figured I might check it out later, and then if I find anything, I'll post it on Facebook and in our group and see what happens. The footage they used to make the underwater shot of the Interceptor as it approaches Isla de Muerta. You remember that? Shipwreck K? Maybe. There's all that sunken ship action going on, and of course there's hammerhead sharks swimming amongst the wreckage. Right. They're approaching Isla de Muerta, remember? Yeah. The footage used to composite that scene... Which also, if you remember, was actual shark footage, not computer-generated or animated sharks that we talked about. Yeah. Comes from PVS Nova film, Island of the Sharks. Oh, really? Yeah, so they used the footage from that documentary, basically isolated the sharks. Was that Shark Week? 
No, it wasn't a Shark Week Documentary? thing. Oh, I don't know, actually. This is PBS, not Discovery Channel, for oh, one thing. Oh, okay. Maybe it's This different. is good stuff. It's not just sharks eating people. Look how and bad scaring, sharks are. Yeah, scaring people. Yeah. Poor sharks. Exactly. They're having a tough time out there. But the sharks were combined with CGI footage and other stuff, real sharks here. So the idea is that they composited a number of shots to bring the sharks swimming amongst CGI shipwrecks, if you will. Well, that's pretty cool, but actually. But Island of the Sharks refers to Costa Rica's Cocos Island, which boasts more sharks per cubic yard of water than perhaps any other place on the planet. But it includes white tip reef sharks, 40-foot whale sharks, and hammerheads that school by the hundreds. Man, really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. And that's you've scary. seen some of the footage before oh, that I'm we've sure, had. Yeah. And I looked some up recently, and it really is incredible. So now that we know where this came from, I will post a video on our Cursed Listeners crew of... Island of the Sharks and in... Island inc- of the Streams. No. Oh. <laughs> That's true. Island of the Sharks. That is where we are. Okay. An incredible number of hammerheads that swim waters around the island, and it's pretty cool to see that. So I'll go ahead and post that, and you can kind of get an idea of where they got this shark footage to incorporate into the movie. But it really is a place I think I want to visit now, now after seeing that. Not go snorkeling in there, right? I don't know if you want to go snorkeling necessarily. Cage diving would be Maybe, kind of cool, yeah. actually. Exactly. Is it called cage diving or is it just you go down in the cage? Because cage diving is completely different. It'd be really difficult to dive it while you're in with this cage. I don't know what it's called. Or do you actually just get dropped in the cage? Maybe. Is it cage? I don't know. I would think of cage fighting almost. That's a whole different ballgame. Cage (laughs) fighting with sharks is different than cage diving. But you're not really diving, you're kind of cage sitting. I don't know what's going on with that. (laughs) And before we get off. Kilter, because we forgot if it's cage diving is the technical term for going in a cage, shark cage kind of deal. I don't know. It's almost like Jaws. Cage goes in the water. <laughs> you go in the cage. The shark's in the water. I have a mystery for you. It's cage diving. Is it cage diving? Yeah. Dang it. Oh, yeah, baby. Cage diving. Great white shark cage diving. Wow, there you go. I didn't think that that's what it was Woo-hoo! called. Woohoo! Boy, the wine. <laughs> It's going to be a beast today. I can feel it. Especially since you're right on this. Because now, I don't know if we'll ever live this down. You doubted. Season two will be way into minute 120. And she'll remember that time I was right about the cage diving. Yeah, exactly. But I do have a mystery for you. It's a game, too. It's called Name Where in the Hell This Tune Appeared in the Movie, Curse of the Black Pearl. Okay. I don't want to admit anything here. Like... I don't recognize this piece of music, let alone that it was even in the movie. Because as far as I'm concerned, it never was featured. And I say this because it is so distinct that I would have sworn it was not in the film. But after giving it some thought, not so much the music itself, because that's not something I really recognize, but more where this music would have been found within the context of the film. And I only had one guess and I was right. So I want to see if you are also going to be right. Okay. So let's play the music. Everyone out there can play along too. Here's the clip. Do you recognize it as being in the movie? No, I don't really. If I hadn't given you like a hint of where this would, would you actually even think that this music was in the movie? If I hadn't said, okay, maybe this is it or that it was officially part of the movie music. No. Because I can't believe I didn't remember it either. So where do you think that it is? Where do you think 
that this music is played. My best guess would be Tortuga in the in the bar. And that's only because I mentioned that, right? That that's like the only logical place that it could well, be. Well, yeah. But it's not actually in the bar. No. It's close. You're close. Is it when they're walking down the street? Yeah, exactly. When they're walking down the streets of Tortuga, you can hear this music. It's a type of folk music that really catches my attention, and that's why I'm really shocked that I didn't hear this or pinpoint this before when i listen to it i imagine people dancing like kicking up their feet dancing to it yeah that's what's odd about it and it's so different but i think it fits with tortuga because it's about that party atmosphere yeah but it's this subtle background music that was accompanied with a collage of hundreds of other sounds in tortuga when will and jack are just walking through the town and it ends right up about where and i didn't take notes on this i probably should have where scarlet and giselle kind of slap them right before they go to the Faithful Bride Tavern with oh, Gibbs. okay. Or actually, right before they go to Gibbs, who they're waking up in the pigsty or sleeping okay, with the pig. Okay, so like when they're walking down the aisle? Yeah, walking down the aisle, right up to where they get to Giselle, and they do okay. that thing, and then it goes away. And that's the small scene where it just subtly plays in the background with wow. gunshots, cat screams, slaps, yellings, and everything else that really makes Tortuga this Wait, wild and crazy place. So when they have the, like the carts going through the town that's right, and all yes. that kind of stuff? I would imagine it more in the bar when there's all those fights and all the action going on in the bar. I wonder if that's where they were intending to maybe have it and then they just moved it out of there because there was so much other stuff going on. Yeah. But it really is odd. And I can't believe we didn't actually talk about it or pinpoint it at the time. Yeah, we weren't talking about music really at that point in time. Yeah, and we talked about why that is and that we want to change that and beef it up for season two. But that's correct, we didn't. But it's still this subtle piece of music that I thought we would have called out. Yeah, you would think. That's our bad. But it's called Pirate's Musk by Craig Eastman. And according to Eastman's website, he is a multi-instrumentalist and composer, and his writing and playing has been featured on many films, including Black Hawk Down, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Brokeback Mountain. Well, the title is kind of interesting. Pirate's Musk? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Because it's it's an awful cheery tune for the smell of pirates. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Right? Yeah, but maybe you want that kind of... Stuff to distract you when you're in Tortuga from the smell. (laughs) But Craig is also recorded with artists ranging from Elton John to Ray Charles to Hans Zimmer, T-Bone Burnett, and even Steve Martin. Since I just said wild and crazy when we were talking about Tortuga. Wild and crazy men. Exactly. Wild and crazy men, really? What is it? That what you just said? Yeah. Now I'm going to have to get an R in there. Wild and crazy what? How in the world can we proceed without saying... We're two wild and crazy guys. Oh, guys. Same thing. Really? Men that's not guys. The, that's not it. <laughs> How dare you? Also want to give a special thanks out to Elvis Gooding and Jaden Inc. Looks Is this like Pirate Elvis? Captain Elvis, actually. Oh, okay. It looks like it's now out of business, given its website is gone and domain hosting ads are sitting in its place. But apparently Elvis was a captain... At this company, Jaden Inc., which he was founded, if you will, or a majority shareholder. And the interesting part of this, if there is any interesting part of it, I just was really wondering, why is there a special thanks to this company and somebody named Elvis Gooding? This place was the first fast ferry to be owned and operated in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Oh, really? And a fast ferry is a high-speed water vessel for civilian use, which is also called a fast craft. The first high-speed craft were often hydrofoils or hovercraft, but in the 1990s, catamarans and monohull designs became more popular, and large hydrofoils and hovercrafts disappeared and are no longer built. Oh. So mystery solved for me. Then there was the last special thanks that caught my attention, and that was 
David Cooper and Marinko LTD. And it turns out nothing special there. Nothing to see here, folks. They're just coastal and marine construction projects throughout the Caribbean. So wah, wah, wah. <laughs> but those were a couple of companies I was like, hmm, I wonder what they're up to and why they were thanked <laughs> for the movie. So there you go. Spencer presented us with the following in our Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group a while back and thought it would be something we should tackle during the credits. And actually, we recently had a Twitter battle with Spencer, a GIF or GIF, however you want to pronounce that, battle back and forth. And I'm sorry to say that he won that battle. He caught me off guard with one last Jack Sparrow animated one, and I couldn't help but laugh. He obliterated me, so I had to concede defeat. But this is not the end of the war. Just one battle that was lost. But the war is still to come, Spencer. You heard it right here. The war is to come, Spencer. (laughs) You'll be dining with King Neptune by the moonlight. But anyways, here's what he had to say. So I have a theory. The cursed Aztec medallions, they have to all be in the chest, not necessarily on the island, right? So why didn't Barbosa and the crew move the chest to the ship and then take the coins out when they went into battle? Afterwards, they just return the coins to the chest every time. Then they would be able to still enjoy their plunder and still be a terrifying cursed crew. That's a great question, Spencer. Let's see what Scott has to say about that. Well, that sounded like a canned response. What did you pre-record that? <laughs> no, I just thought it would sounded be like good a to turn it back to you. <laughs> now back to our sponsors. It's an interesting question because the expanded universe does indicate that the Aztecs made the chest and delivered it and the gold to Cortez. Thus. It really couldn't be too heavy to be moved. So Barbosa and his crew could have really transferred it to the ship without a problem. Okay, maybe it'd be really heavy and they'd have yeah. to use some ingenuity well, to it's do a so. Stone. But it wouldn't be impossible given that the yeah. Aztecs actually moved it and somebody brought it to the island. Yeah. So it can be moved and it's sitting on top of that treasure mound. Right. There is mention in some expanded universe discussions or maybe some theories that since the cursed gold had been on the island for a long time, it took on some properties of the curse. You know, we talked about yeah. that, the unnatural fog and all yeah. that. So does the chest now kind of belong to the island and it can't be moved off the island? Is that why they couldn't move it? Or does the end of the curse ceremony that they perform? Because we know that there's a ceremony yeah. there. And this almost like a spell that Barboza has to say. There's like an incantation or some words that he has to say whenever he does that. Right. So does it have to be performed on land or maybe on the island here to lift the curse? Or does the curse itself draw them to the island now to hoard their gold? And that's why they keep going back and forth. Besides needing to drop off, obviously, their treasures, because you can't just keep putting it in their ship, in the hull of their ship. Right. Why not? Why couldn't they take this? When Cortez was cursed, did they also hoard all their gold on the island? And Barbosa then just started adding to it? What's the deal here? Or then again, it was on top of the treasure mound. So there's stuff being added here. It's been moved around. And Barbosa didn't add that, or did Barbosa move that chest up onto that mound? Maybe it was already on top of that. That's, That's what I'm wondering. Question. Right? Yeah. I mean, here's the idea. The Aztec chest could be similar to the Ark of the Covenant. Now we're talking Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana right. Jones stuff here. Taking it with you and wielding the power of the chest, or maybe not Indiana Jones because they took that. So that would be more Bible. It's weird that my mind went to Indiana Jones first before the actual source of the Ark of the Covenant that they're bringing that with them. <laughs> I completely was like, well, that was just something from Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) Oh, no, that came in the Bible. Oh, that's where the story came from. So now that we got the priorities straight there, 
maybe the priorities were straight. Indiana Jones. You can't go wrong with Indiana Jones. Right. Raiders of the Lost Ark. So did they take it with them, wielding the power of the chest as needed, becoming some kind of supervillain pirates? If they had done that, why couldn't they take that chest with them? And then when they go to battle, take some coins out. And then after they're done, then they're immortal, and then they put them back, and then they have all the food, the feast. Maybe there was some supernatural powers holding it to the island. That's what I'm wondering. Did it become part like of the island after all these years? the island. That's yeah. what I was wondering, because the island took on part of the curse because it had been there so long. Right. So is it possible that they couldn't move the chest, or the curse prevents them from moving the chest? Yeah. Because why wouldn't you take that? Unless the fear is, if our ship sinks, we'll this everything? chest will be lost. Yeah. And then we're going to have to go yeah. down thousands of feet, depending on where they were. You know, if they're right near shore, okay, that's not difficult to get it. They could take a walk. Right. But if it's in a deep part of that Caribbean Sea or even over the trench, this sucker could go down 25,000 feet into the trench. 8,000, 3,000, or I think it was 3,000 was the average depth on that. I don't remember now when we talked about the science of that. I guess I should have put that in my memory banks, should've. but I didn't. But anyways, why didn't they? Unless they were afraid that they could lose the chest on their ship. It's entirely possible for Barbosa or even Jack to become a super pirate with the chest on board. Right. Why didn't Jack take it afterwards even? They're... Say he defeats Barbosa. Jack even said, ooh, the immortal Captain Jack Sparrow sounds like a you know great title for him. He right. likes the ring of that. He likes yeah. the sound of it. Why didn't they just help load him onto the ship and then be able to take that with them? There must be a reason they couldn't take it off the island. Is it because of the plot? Yes. (laughs) Or is it something rooted on the island? Did Terry and Ted screw job us here and leave this plot hole? No. And then they didn't want it? Or is it rooted to the island with the curse because it's been on the island so long you can't take it away It's rooted to the island with the curse. I don't know. And it's something I might explore. I'm going to see if I can dig into this deeper. Maybe I'll look through my Rolodex or... Rolodex. What is this? Arr! Before mobile phones. How dare me. I'll look on my mobile phone and I'll pull up uh, Terry and Ted's number and I'll That's say, hey idea. guys, let's have a chat here. Just and let's ask talk about them. This. Yeah, yeah, I'll go to the source. Good idea. Disney doesn't answer you, so you might as well go to them. Damn that Disney. That's right. But it seems possible though, unless it is rooted. So I'm looking for the flaw. I don't quite see it yet. There's something there, unless it is rooted to the island, they can't just do this. Or they're afraid of losing the chest and then being stuck as immortal pirates forever, not being able to get that. Because if it's down that deep, there's no way they can retrieve it. Right. And if they put the gold back, somebody has to die to do that. Because there's no way they could get back up in time. Yeah. So they'd have to sacrifice like Rigetti. Poor Rigetti. Poor Rigetti. Then he would have to go down there and save everybody else. what about his wooden eye? And then the blood part. Oh, damn, that blood washed off. You trying <laughs> to drop that back into the chest? That'd be the bummer. So I'm looking for the flaw. I don't quite see it yet. Unless it has something to do like with the ceremony or the island or it's stuck there. So maybe after all this time, it can't just leave the island. The yeah. island and the chest are one. They're cursed together. So maybe that's it. Yeah. We'll have to see. That sounds right to me. Maybe we'll just go with that for now. But that is a very interesting topic that obviously has no solution just yet. And Spencer... The uh, my Twitter foe, who I'm gonna have to go back to battle with. We'll we'll have to wait and see what we can come up with, and then maybe answer that question. So that's all I have for today. That's, that's all it? I have for minute one forty two. Wow. What do you mean wow? I don't know. That's so right. much exciting stuff going on in this minute. Exactly with all the credit stuff. Yes, <laughs> I know it's an edge of your seat minute. 
second to the last minute and everything. Exactly. So do you have anything else? Nope, that's it for me. We'll be back tomorrow with Minute 143 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Now where's that wine? (laughs) You drank it all. Do we have to say that every time? No. You drank it all, all the time. That's the standard answer. We know you drank it. You drank it by the bottle. (laughs) Drink it from the bottle. (laughs) That too. (laughs) What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? Take me to her, buddy. Blimey. Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home. Heather, wake up. The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. Banjo, get me a bucket. Hey, Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best-of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy. 